0: Hey, this is Jamie from Stillmire Games. I'm sitting here in a very rainy, dark office today to talk to you about game expansions. This is a topic that I've covered a few times. I've talked about my top 10 favorite expansions. Um, I also talked about the 15 expansions available from Stillmire Games, soon to be 16 with the Wingspan Asia expansion. Um, and I talked about the Stillmire expansions from a few different categories. So I kind of categorize those expansions. And a few people in the comments asked me to do that same thing, breaking down my favorite expansions by those same categories. And I even added a few based on the comments in that uh, in that video. So I'll link to that video, both of those videos below, and I will talk about those categories today. So these are different categories that you can think about if you're considering designing a game expansion, basically. So the first one, and these are in no particular order really, uh, the first one is Orleans Invasion. So this category is a new method of play. So a completely new way of playing the game, but that still relies on the core game components. And the example is, is Orleans Invasion. This is uh, a, an expansion that takes a co- competitive game and turns it into a cooperative game. Um, and i love it I, I love taking that puzzle from a cooperative experience or co- competitive experience and, and bringing it into a shared group experience where you're trying to work through different events that you have to deal with the events are really great because you know the event in advance each round um and uh, and, and you're just working together with all, all players to solve a bunch of puzzles so there are a bunch of different uh, goals that you have to accomplish and at the same time each player also has their own individual goal that they need to accomplish I have a stuck category hey walter here we, go. here we go uh so that's oleone's invasion i also really like in this category so i might have more than one game for some of these i also really like the shards of infinity shadow of salvation expansion this is another one that takes a competitive game and turns it into a cooperative game in this case a cooperative campaign game which is another category i'll mention in the comments below but this is at at, at home here this is how we play shadows uh, how we play shards of infinity um, I like playing online in the competitive mode, but in, in person, instead of dueling against Megan, we really like working together to beat the bosses, the various bosses in uh, Shadow of Salvation. So I really like that new mode of play. That really opened up Shards of Infinity and made it a game that I can play at home. The second category is just a more stuff expansion. Expansion where you just have more of the same, or not more of the same stuff, but more of the same types of components found in the core game. More stuff to shuffle in, more variability, more things to discover as you play. Probably my favorite category of expansion here because it's just so easy to get to the table. And I have a few examples here. Uh, I love dominion prosperity as an expansion that does that so dominion prosperity just offers more cards and within those more cards there are a few new mechanisms that are added in but they're they're so easy to understand and you're essentially just adding a new array of cards to those that can be chosen for the 10 cards that go on the table and there's also a few new cards like the new um uh, what was it? Domain cards, the, the victory point cards and the new coin cards that you can buy in this game. So it just it kind of expands the, the same exact types of things that are found in the core game of Dominion. I really appreciate that about Dominion Prosperity. And it also scratches that itch of, you know, I have all this money in my hand. What do I do with it? Now you have something to do with it in Prosperity. I also really enjoy the Fantasy Realms or part of the Fantasy Realms expansion, the Cursed Horde. This expansion adds Three new suits of cards, three new factions, essentially, to the game. And again, they are just shuffled into the deck, and each one does feel a little bit different than the core game. Like, there's one that looks at the cards that are remaining on the table at the end of the game, for example. Uh, And yet, they are extremely easy to teach, extremely easy to just shuffle into the deck and play with from now on i always use those when i play with the Curs- cursed horde expansion there's also the actual cursed items themselves i don't play with them as much because it uh, they make the game a little bit longer than what i want fantasy realms to be but i really really love the three new factions added to fantasy realms and i would gladly add more factions to it as well if they ever added more the ambassador pick so i obviously did not pick Stillmire games for this list because i've already done a, a list about Stillmire expansions but ambassadors i did let them pick whatever they wanted for expansions. And the most common pick among Stillmeyer Ambassadors was Wingspan European for this category. They really liked Wingspan European for the more stuff category of expansions. The next category is Expanded Player Count. So these are expansions that take, say, a four-player game and turn it into a five-player game or a six-player game. And the Ambassador pick for this one as well was another Stillmeyer game, the Scythe Invaders from Far expansion, which takes a five-player game and adds six or five or uh, six or seven players wingspan asia actually is also a player count expansion it adds it takes a five player game and, and in a really beautiful way it adds it lets it play up to six or seven players without increasing downtime and without increasing playtime because it has two simultaneous uh, active players but my pick which is not a stonemaier game my pick is the scoundrels of skullport expansion from lords of waterdeep this expansion does a lot of cool things uh, including uh, the the corruption mechanism in the in this expansion which if you haven't looked into scoundrels of skullport and you like lords of waterdeep i highly recommend checking out the, the the uh the corruption mechanism it's a really really cool mechanism but it also adds an extra player and i think there might be another expansion um under the mountain or something like that that adds another player so every expansion for Uh, Lords of Waterdeep adds another player, which is really, really wonderful. I love that you can eventually play Lords of Waterdeep up to six players if you want to. The next category is new stuff slash new options and new interface. So it's, uh, and this will overlap with several other categories, but just the idea of an expansion adding some new stuff for you to consider. And my top two picks were the Cold Waters expansion for Aquatica. Which I played back to back recently at a game day this past summer. Uh, I I just I love what this expansion added. It does add some other things that you'll find in this list, but I really like that it just added some uh, some cards with new mechanisms in them. Some some new cards for you to consider as you're playing the game. It added that in a really streamlined, nice way that added to the experience of the core game. And one of my favorite games, Dune Imperium, the Rise of Ix expansion, I think is a great example of an expansion that doesn't add to the complexity of the game because it just it actually overlaps on several action spaces that were underused in the core game and it uh it tweaks them a little bit. In fact, this could fit really well into the category of an expansion that fixes a problem, a very small problem in Dune Imperium. But it just adds kind of a new interface, a new part to the board on the upper right of the board uh that adds some some new actions Adds a few new mechanisms there it adds a dreadnought token that you can put into battle and your dreadnoughts never die Uh, that's a new type of unit that you can put into battle and it adds some tech upgrades that you can pursue if you want to just some really neat little mechanisms here in dune imperium that that uh, give you some more options to consider the next category is increased depth or complexity and again there's a lot of overlap on this unless a lot of these games these expansions could fit into multiple categories but my picks for this or my pick was seven wonders leaders seven wonders leaders adds a fourth round of the game and it's essentially a, a, a prelude round a first round of the game where you're drafting leader cards and you are playing those cards in a very similar way over the course of the game um, well actually no it's a little different you're playing them in a little different way than you play normal cards uh, they do have costs and requirements but they add just another card type that you can play each round if you want to uh, but the draft is very similar to the core game, so you're already familiar with the draft at Seven Wonders, you're drafting these leaders, uh, and they do add a bit of complexity because each of the leaders adds, or many of them add new icons for you to consider, and new abilities that you have to kind of look through a thesaurus and appendix to understand what those abilities do. So it does add to the complexity of the game, and adds the depth of an added, added length basically to the, to the round structure, the three round structure of Seven Wonders. Uh, Ambassadors, I haven't played this expansion, but Ambassadors picked the Upstairs Downstairs expansion for Obsession as an expansion that adds depth and complexity. The next category is a fun one, uh, expansions that add campaigns to core games that didn't already have a campaign to them. And a few, uh, well, one core example of this that I really, really enjoy, I already mentioned Shadow of Salvation. I enjoyed the campaign in that. The other one is the Emergence of Shy Pluto, that is the space-based expansion. That adds a short campaign where you're trying to uh, learn about uh, learn about Pluto and, and deal with some new problems. And it adds new mechanisms to the game that you can permanently leave in the game from then on. And that reminds me a little bit of the ambassador pick for this category of our my, my game, my expansion, Scythe, The Rise of Fenris, which adds an eight-game campaign to a game of Scythe if you want to play it. And it kind of caps off the Scythe trilogy. Uh, we have a trilogy of expansions, and it caps off that trilogy. So I do like these, and I like that these aren't too long. Emergence of Shive Pluto is, I believe, a five camp, a five game campaign. Um, the uh, and it's completely resettable, as is the Rise of Fenris. They're not legacy campaigns. There is uh, the uh, Shadow of Salvation campaign, I think, is only three or four games if you win those games. So I like these, these kind of short, snappy campaigns for games that you typically are used to playing, uh, resetting every time you play. So I think there's the shortness of a campaign is pretty crucial if you're making a campaign expansion. Next up, we have asymmetry. There's some great examples of this, I think. So there are games that add more asymmetry. I mentioned the rise of Ix that adds new asymmetrical leaders, but the game already had asymmetry. So this, is, this category of expansions are expansions where the core game did not have asymmetrical elements and the expansion adds them. And two of my favorites, really it was hard to pick between these two because I really love them. One is in the Mayan Calendar. It adds the tribes and prophecies expansions. The tribes add asymmetric uh, uh, factions that, that do change the way you play or at least change the starting setup. They change some core element of how you play. I really enjoy them. And I also really enjoy the leaders added to the Expedition Leaders expansion of Lost Ruins of Arnak. Really, really cool uh, special abilities that feel very asymmetric and unique in uh, in Lost Ruins of Arnak. So I I think this is a great category to explore and almost a great reason to consider not putting asymmetry into the core game. Uh, Just kind of get everything working properly in the core game, make sure you know the game really, really well, and then later on add asymmetry through an expansion. In the next category. I have new locations. So this is a this is a really, really cool expan- uh, way to, to add variability to a game where you simply add a new location for you to play. So uh, kind of a classic example of this would be Ticket to Ride. Ticket to Ride adds new maps. Um, but some of my favorite examples are the Sunken Treasures expansion for Clank. Clank has a whole series of expansions that just essentially add new maps and also some new cards, some new slight mechanisms, but really the focus is the new board that they add to Clank um and also in downforce Downforce's expansions are all about the new courses that you're running um and the example i have here is the danger circuit expansion it actually has my favorite racetrack in downforce one that has some paths that loop around and cross over where you enter and exit that loop uh creating some interesting congestion that can have leaders pull away, or it can have, it can add really a nice catch-up mechanism to people who have fallen behind in downforce. So I love the the danger, danger circuit expansion in, in downforce, and then just the idea of expansions adding new maps, new locations, new places. The ambassador pick for this category was the underworld location for Root. By far, this was actually the top pick. Uh, it seems that seems that ambassadors really love that underworld expansion for Root, which I have not played. The next category, which I mentioned earlier a little bit, is expansions that fix a problem. Um, so I, expansions, I would think that most playtesters or most ex- publishers playtest every expansion quite a bit. And they know the game really well, too. So um, I actually, no, this isn't about really the, the expansion itself, but it's about playtesting the core game itself. But every now and then... Something slips through, and you find that players aren't using something as much as you thought, or player psychology works out a little bit different than than you than you thought for the playtesting data. You just get a lot more data from a game um, after the after the playtest is finished, and I think it's it's great for that. Publishers have the opportunity to fix little problems in expansions if they want to, if they if if, if there's demand for it as well. And so some examples of that, and this is maybe a little bit of a stretch for this category. But the alchemists from the Quacks of quindenburg i thought that this added some i, I played this recently i thought it, it fixed maybe a very small thing from the core game which was it, it really gives you a strong reason to go after a variety of tokens um this is an expansion that has you advancing on a path based on a few different things one um if you ended up exactly with seven of the the white tokens seven value of the white tokens at the end of the round um, two, how many different colors of tokens you pulled from the bag in the first place. That's, that encourages variety. And three, uh, whether or not your neighbor's busted. So every one of those things lets you advance on this on this track uh, and uh, trigger some different abilities. But I think it does a great job of, of in- encouraging players to go after a variety of tokens, which is something that I didn't always see from the Quacks of Quellenburg. And also encourage players to really get very close to busting if they wanted to. I wouldn't even say these are big problems, but I enjoyed that it... Encouraged me to consider things that I hadn't normally considered in Quacks of Cren and the Bird. And also, the ambassador pick, by far, I haven't played this one, but ambassadors uh, were were very passionate about the Rise rise of the Empire expansion for Star Wars Rebellion. Apparently, that fixes a big problem from Star Wars Rebellion. The next category is easiest to teach. I love expansions that are really easy to get to the table, really easy to teach, really, because and this is great because not only is it easy to get to the table of someone who already knows the game, but it also makes it really easy for you to leave those expansion components inside the core game. You don't have to separate them so that when you teach someone who's never played the game at all, it's just as easy to explain those expansion components. This isn't always necessary for expansion. Sometimes people do want added depth and complexity, but I think this is nice when expansions do this. And my favorite pick for that is the manufactions expansion for Fantastic Factories. I think this expansion does that really well. It does add new things to the game. It adds new cards. It adds a new token type that lets you adjust dice by plus or minus one. But they're so intuitive and easy to add that uh, I think most people wouldn't even know that they weren't in the core that they weren't in the core game in the first place. Um, so I really love that about the manufacturing's expansion. And again ambassadors actually picked another similar game for this one they picked the wingspan european expansion again they thought that was extremely easy to teach um because you just essentially shuffle in the new cards there is a new mechanism in wingspan european that introduces the idea of uh, powers that trigger at the end of the round but that's really easy to teach as well Um, so that was the ambassador pick now we're getting down to the, the four categories that i added after the previous video and this next category are promo packs. Promo packs kind of act as little mini expansions for games. You don't have to do a big robust expansion every time. Sometimes you can just introduce a small promo pack of, of tiles or tokens or cards. And my pick for this, I have two picks. One is the Terra Mystica pack, the Terra Mystica promo pack that adds more um, city uh, city tokens. So whenever you complete a city you get a, or town, you get a special token, adds a few more of those. I really like that. And the other pick that I have on hand here are the maps expansion. I guess this fits in better into the locations category. This is for cartographers, but the maps, they essentially feel like promos because this is it. This is the whole, the, everything that you're getting here, um, you just get a new map uh, for for cartographers. And they add a few little twists to the rules, but um, and oftentimes they're double-sided. Let's see if the back is different. Uh, the back is the same in these. But I, I just think these are really, really cool. Uh, that they, they have these kind of promo packs of, of new maps. And they're really nice for publishers too, I think, because... Uh, they're very easy to add to your card. If you're selling stuff on a web store or a crowdfunding campaign uh, and you've already spent $50, it's pretty easy to add a $5 promo pack to it, especially if it's something as nice and satisfying as a, as a map pack like this. Uh, so Terra Mystica and Cartographer's map packs. The ambassador picks, obviously this is a big one for Stomeyer Games now, are the pa- the um, the promo packs for Rolling Realms. So like here are the, mo- the three most recent promo packs for Rolling Realms. This is a game that is almost, the the entire future of the game is almost entirely geared towards these promo packs uh, that are based sometimes on Stillmeyer games like Smitten, and sometimes they're based on games from other publishers like Honey Buzz and A Feast for Odin. The nice thing about these is that people can pick and choose exactly the promo packs that they want. So if someone really loves Honey Buzz, they might get that one, but maybe they don't care about Smitten as much, or they don't care about the mechanisms in it. Um, They can pick and choose the ones they want. The next category is a recharge or scenario pack. Um, There are really very few examples of recharge packs in in the tabletop game space. This is typically limited to legacy games that let you replay the legacy game by adding a recharge pack. And I think the only two that I am aware of are Aeon's End and uh, and Charterstone. There might be other ones, um, but those are the main two that, that come to mind. However, so I added a Scenario Pack to this, and that expands this category to include games like Time Stories. Time Stories has a core game, and then you can buy expansions for it, or at really the original version of Time Stories. You can add expansions that offer you new scenarios to that core game. This is one of my favorite games of all time. I played through, I think, every, every published version of, uh, of the different scenario packs. And my favorite is A Prophecy of Dragons. I really, really love The Prophecy of Dragons. And it basically takes all the, the things that you've, many of the components that you've, that you've already bought that you already have for the core game, and it gives you another use for them through a new scenario to play in. Um, so yeah, I really love A Prophecy of Dragons from Time Stories. Let me know in the comments below what your favorite um, expansion is, what your favorite scenario is for, for Time Stories. Two more categories remain. The second to last category are expansions that decrease the playing time. So this is kind of solving a problem as well. If you had a game that was overstaying its welcome to the table, was playing a little bit too long, maybe you offer an accelerated start. You offer a way to play the game a little bit faster. And actually Wingspan Asia does this a little bit for higher player counts, for the six and seven player count. but Terraforming Mars Prelude was that was my pick and the Ambassador's pick for an expansion that accelerates the beginning of the game. So you can kind of ramp up immediately a lot faster in Prelude and get to the good stuff in, Terra Mystica, or in Terraforming Mars. Not Terra Mystica, Terraforming Mars. Um, and Prelude does that brilliantly by just giving you more stuff right at the beginning of the game. Does a great job of doing that. I, I think, uh, I, yeah, that's a, that's a great type of expansion if it's needed. If, it, if, the, if the core game is outstanding, it's welcome on the table. The last category are standalone expansions this is a tough category to get into to to, yeah to talk about because essentially they are these there's another way of saying this is a game but i think the differentiator here is that you can take things um from uh, a standalone expansion as you can do in wingspan asia this is a standalone expansion so you can play wingspan asia from one to two players in a special duet mode uh, and you can combine in other bird cards and other bonus cards from other versions of Wingspan as you play that mode. Um, but there are some com- components in this box that you need to play that mode. Uh, so I I, I I like this a lot. And I like that you can take some of these components. Like you can take the bird cards from Wingspan Asia and you can use them in other expansions or or the Wingspan Core game. So an example of this, uh, or a couple of examples, are... Cartographer's Heroes is one. So Cartographer's Heroes is one that adds like new maps, new abilities, new cards that you can just shuffle into the original Cartographers. And then very recently, a recent favorite is Marvel Dice Throne. So Marvel Dice Throne is a standalone game by itself. You don't need anything else to play the Dice Throne game. You can just play it with this, or you can take these characters and add them to uh, another game of Dice Throne. So season one, season two, the smaller packs. So I think this is a great way to, to expand a game like this, to make it standalone, you don't have to rely on the core game. You don't need the core game. There are no overlapping components between the two other than the rule book. Uh, I think that's the, the key catch here. If you have a lot of comp- redundant components, that's a reason maybe not to do a standalone expansion and just make it a normal expansion. Um, so, Marvel Thistone, I think, does that really well. The Ambassador pick was very similar, a game that I haven't really gotten as deep into, but that is Unmatched. Unmatched has every box is a standalone expansion where you can play it by itself or you can take those characters and compete against other characters that you already have from other sets of unmatched. So I think that's a great way to do it. I think Marvel Champions does it to a certain extent. I think some packs aren't standalone, but some are. Um, I don't know that game all that well, but that that did show up on the ambassador pick list as well. So those are the 14 categories to think about. If you're designing an expansion, what do you wanna get out of the expansion that you're designing? What do you wanna to offer to players? Um, and oftentimes, I think it's a combination of a few of these. I wouldn't try to do everything with every expansion, though. Obviously, if you're trying to do a slim promo pack, you can only do a few things with it. It might just be, you know, a few a more stuff promo pack where you add a few more cards to the game. Um, but yeah, a lot of stuff to think about. Let me know in these categories. Pick maybe a few of these categories that encapsulate your favorite types of expansions. And let me know your top picks of expansions within those categories. I'd love to hear your thoughts in the comments below. Thanks.